Alistair Crowley, Rocket Ships, The Devil, Sex Orgies, Blood Magic, Explosions, Spies, and Gas Station Attendants, this week's topic is firing on all cylinders. The Meat Sacks take a look at my new personal hero Jack Parsons this week on Hysteria 51. They say I'm disturbed. From city to city an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in Hysteria Nation to the podcast that's never summoned a demon to get a science experiment to work. We have a robot for that. This is Hysteria 51. Demons are pussies. Broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago. We're your hosts and resident rocket scientists, Brent Hand and John Goforth. You're right. Putting that Star Wars Lego set together was rocket science to you idiots. Hey, there was a lot of pieces. <laughs> anyway, the third voice you're hearing is our resident peanut gallery, also a robot I built to help produce and research the show. Who instead just gets drunk and has delusions of taking over the world. He is the one and the only conspiracy bot. Delusions are just dreams that haven't happened yet. That doesn't even make sense. Not but at all. speaking of dreams, how's your stint on Shark Tank? Ups and downs, highs and lows. They said it could kill people and were going to report me to the authorities. Something about poisoning them. Anyway, most of them said they were out pretty quickly, but then at the last second I signed a royalty deal with Mr. Wonderful. I kinda like that meat sack. So, so you brought your bottle of rubbing alcohol with the label ripped off and the and the brand what 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 was it again? Bot booze. Right, bot booze. So you brought your bot booze to bot Shark booze. Tank. I'll still never understand how you got to Culver City for taping, but regardless, you brought the bot booze there and somehow actually got on the show. And then you actually got an investment from Kevin O'Leary. I, I, I mean, it, it's a fake product that kills its customers. And I'm proud to be an American. You're making me blush. Other than killing your customers and stealing product, sounds like your business is pretty much foolproof. Thanks. I feel the same way. I even have a slogan now. Want to hear? I thought I thought you'd never ask. Okay, here it goes. Combust a move. If you have the blues. It's chill, it's fresh, it's conspiracy bot booze. What do you think of that? Pretty good, right? You know the sad part? It'll probably work. It'll yep. probably sell. Yeah. I'm making booze great again. Oh, another good one. I better write that down. <laughs> and on that note, Brent, we have a guest with us tonight, a, a returning guest. Yeah, even. A returning, you know, we were talking recently. It'd been a long time since Kevin had been on. It'd been a real long time since Joe had been on. Dan Kozu, our guest. And we tonight. didn't invite either of them back. <laughs> 2017, <laughs> I think, is when the last time he was on. I, gosh, I, I mean, what did we even talk Who about? Who was even alive then? Yeah. <laughs> did they have the internet then? Oh, uh, welcome back, Dan. Thanks, guys. Thanks for uh, having me on to talk about your erotic Tony Stark fan fiction. I assume that's what we're talking that about, is right? the best way to put this, exactly. If Tony Stark and Pepper were just really into BDSM type shit. The weird part was we didn't even have to give Pepper Potts a new name. I know. <laughs> it, just, it just fit in. Uh, so, Dan, what are you working on? You got anything going on since the last time we talked to you? 
Yeah, I wrote a book. I wrote a fantasy, uh, a humorous fantasy novel that uh, you can pre-order on Amazon right now. now. Question: Was it humorous on purpose, or did people laugh when you read it? You're like, oh. Oh, exactly. Okay. I played the yeah, yeah, totally meant to do it that way. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's available now. Yeah, yeah. If you uh, if you go on Amazon, it's Lingeria, uh, L-I-N-G-E-R-I-A. It's the I would recommend writing Lingeria book. Exactly. If you only write Lingeria, a bunch of lingerie pictures will show up. So write Lingeria book or my last name, K-O-Z-U-H, and you'll you'll find the pre-order. It's 99 cents right now. So what? what what's 99 the... cents? <laughs> 99 I'd buy cents. that for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even have to. You get a penny back. <laughs> so what's what's it about? What's what's uh, I know it's a fantasy novel. I mean, yeah, uh, it is. Uh, it was originally a cartoon pilot that I wrote and then it just it wasn't working as a, uh, a pilot. So I wrote it into a, a novel about a, uh, a fantasy author who uh, is about to kill himself. And instead he finds a portal into the world of the books that he wrote. And it turns out that the world is familiar with his books. They think they are their Bible and he is their God, Jesus type figure. And uh, he, uh, it turns out that a real lighthearted fair, <laughs> a little lighthearted fair. It's a dark, dark humor, I guess, right, but uh, right. a, a wizard that he never wrote about has uh, usurped power over the land, and he and his friends have to go find out what's going on. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Obviously, a, a different take on the genre. I mean, obviously, there's at least 15 books I know of that go down that exact rabbit hole. <laughs> right. Now, John is a huge... He's big into fantasy and, and those type of wizarding and war. No, yeah, I was, I was kidding. I was obviously joking about that, but yeah, I love uh, I love a good fantasy book. Um, yeah. looking, looking forward to reading it. I'll even give you the buck, John, because I like you that much. <laughs> Nation, everyone listening, that's a lie. He won't. <laughs> Sadly, I would probably have to write you a check or chase pay you that buck because I never have cash. <laughs> Don't cash it till you know, like December ish. Yeah, yeah, you hold off on that. <laughs> so, uh, and then Dan, uh, you also write for the hardtimes.net, right? I do, yeah, hard times and hard drive. Uh, which is, uh, I love writing for them. Uh, so yeah, you can check them out too. I forgot really, about it. Really funny stuff. Uh, if you aren't familiar listeners at home, um, it's, uh, I'm sure you probably get tired of this analogy, but it's kind of, the, it, it's a kind of onionish, uh, satirical, yeah. satirical mm-hmm. writing, satirical website. Uh, really, really funny stuff. It is yeah. really good. It and, is really and good. And speaking of really funny, Brent, we have a hilarious oh, topic tonight. Good old Marvel Whiteside <laughs> Parsons. That's that's a beautiful name. It is a beautiful name. I I mean Marvel. Like, I feel like if I was given the name Marvel, I would hate it in my during my childhood because it wasn't like right Jim. But then you yeah. turn thirty and you're like, I'm going by Marvel. Now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? Exactly. AKA Jack Parsons. And if that name, here's what I found. I, I always tell people in my, my, you know, around me, my wife and friends and stuff, what we're doing coming up. And I found, I said, oh, we're doing Jack Parsons. They go, oh, Jack, pa- who the hell is that? Like they knew the name. <laughs> right. But they really mm-hmm. didn't know anything about it. And then you him. clarified and you said Marvel Whiteside Parsons. And, and they, they go, said, oh, Whiteside. <laughs> yeah. All right. I knew it. Uh, you know, it's funny. He, uh, that was his, his, given name and uh the reason he went by jack is because when he was young uh his father absconded he, he just left and his mom's like well we're not gonna we're not gonna call you that because we don't like that name anymore because that guy's an asshole mm-hmm. so she started calling him john and back in the day jack was uh, a, a nickname for john john f kennedy right you know jack kennedy right that's yeah. exactly right and so uh, it went from marvel 
to John to Jack, and that's where right. we sit today. Right, right. Uh, welcome back to the name entomology <laughs> hour. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. We're uh, we're trying to shop this to NPR, so you know, <laughs> this might sound a little bit different. This yes, week. yes, that's. That's fascinating. Yes, very interesting. Uh, Dan, you got our ascot we sent you, right? It came with the pipe. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, who was he? Well, he's an American rocket engineer, rocket propulsion researcher, chemist, and an occultist. If I had a nickel for every rocket scientist slash occultist I ran into, I'd be rich. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> much much like the land of Lingeria, uh, everyone's got that story. <laughs> uh, he's Caltech Brochacho. He's one of the principal founders of both the Jet Propulsion Laboratory and the Aerojet Engineering Corporation. Those are big accolades. Well, you might not have known this, but you, you say that old chestnut, see about, I, th- I think, in jest, but, you know, uh, Werner von Braun was into Dianetics. Yeah, well, <laughs> Werner von Braun was a goddamn Nazi, so of course they were into. And you know who was into Dianetics? We're gonna find. Or well, Dianetics was into her, Jack Parsons' second wife. But we'll get into that in the future. <laughs> if anyone didn't pick up on that, um, I was kidding. I don't. Dianetics had not been written. It had not been written yet, but he was into the occult, is what I was getting at, as far as the crazy bullshit that the Nazis were, and then the crazy bullshit that uh, you know Jack Parsons. Well, got Von into. Braun would tell you that he hated the Nazis. Oh, I would have too. <laughs> I would have too if I was and in that his he was shoes. Forced to uh, to do all that, and he had no idea that they were going to use his work for killing. Brits, <laughs> and he read it so beautifully off that yeah, card they wrote right. for him. With his his lovely accent, so not 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 not, uh, now, not to accent. get off on a tangent here, but when von Braun came over, I mean, eventually he's like heading up NASA, right? Then he does a series of PR videos. I'm sorry, I, I understand Project Paperclip. I understand our need for those scientists, but what I don't understand is why is he the new face of our PR? Hi. Brownie here, former Nazi. Former Nazi. Reminding you to <laughs> brush every day. <laughs> you might remember me from World War II. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Such <laughs> such horrific videos as Holocaust Now and, you know, like... Genoc- <laughs> genocide in you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he, uh, he invented the first rocket engine to use a castable... Compi- <laughs> Wait, this is back to Parsons, P.S. A castable... <laughs> Composite rocket propellant and pioneered the advancement of both liquid fuel and solid fuel rockets. Now, this sounds crazy. Why do you do these things? Well, because he wanted to go to the moon. Oh, and he looked to good time fun man Aleister Crowley as his spiritual mentor. Everybody needs a hobby. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that checks out. You know what? You know where he said he got the idea for uh, castable solid fuel? What, what that means, essentially. Uh, now, I'm not a rocket scientist, but uh, what that means is whenever they would have fuel uh, that could kind of settle, that was a real problem, like liquid fuel that could settle because it would it just was inconsistent. Uh, the temperature would vary and it didn't fire the way they needed it to. He was trying to come up with a solve for that. And so he said that he thought of the stories of Greek fire where they would mm. mix like tar with you know combustible substances, napalm. You know, I mean, yeah. like, um, oh, what was it? Uh, the was it the the wedding that exploded on Game of Thrones? Oh. The the green fire. Was, oh, that, was what, this the what, red wedding? Or? No, no, the red. You're no. confusing. Red wedding was the murder, but it was the trial, and they had the. Oh, it was the, the trial. Dragon yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes. Thank you. It's been so long. Game of Thrones, come back. Yeah. Um, 
No, the, but they had that. They had that trial, and they basically that's what you're thinking of. Like when he says Greek fire, and so he thought of that, and so he wound up taking some sort of combustible material and literally mixing it with like tar, and it worked. And that was the beginning of all this. Thank God, he's like standing back. Ah! Oh, oh, thank God. When he was at Caltech, they say that they had a few uh, oopsies. Yeah, one of the oopsies launched a piece of rebar and embedded it into a concrete wall like a foot deep. Now, if you don't know what rebar is, think of a spike. Just a metal prod <laughs> bar. <laughs> but no spike at the end. Yeah, no no, yeah. no sharpen point at the end. Yeah. So the force of the blast. Like, can you imagine you know, just being in you know, one of your undergrad labs and, right. <laughs> oopsie! Right. <laughs> that could have impaled three people. And then, you know, like I said, we touched on this just a second ago. He looked to and was literally a correspondent and a big name in the whole teachings of Aleister Crowley. He looked at him as his spiritual mentor. Crowley was a character. Mr. Crowley. <laughs> that is literally who that song is about. And in the future, we'll, we'll actually do an entire episode on him. We haven't got to it yet, but we're going to touch on him some more this week. Uh, so what we're going to do this week is we're going to tell you all about Parsons why someone so important to the nation is barely remembered like i was saying people don't remember him and uh what happened to him yeah th- i think he has been kind of swept under the rug as far as his contributions to rocketry and um and the fuel therein uh in the history of this country and it's because of his ties to uh, occultism and well, occultism uh possible communism possible spy i mean he hits on all the fun the oh fun yeah ones. <laughs> and, and also pretty much being batshit crazy i mean it, right. it's no one's sitting here defending him as a man necessarily but his contributions to this to science can't be forgotten crazy no. or no no you're exactly right right so we're going to get more into him when we come back after the break on hysteria 51 <laughs> Hola, David. Me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I I just thought romance languages yeah. was the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So it's very high on pronunciation, too. So (laughs) you can, you know, learn how to speak. And, you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. (laughs) In that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's they design it for long-term retention, you know. Yeah. Uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you you say it until you do, and then you know that that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why you know this has been trusted by experts for thirty years, and there's over twenty five different languages that you can learn, and people, millions and millions of users use it because, like you said, it does seep in, and you're using it with you know you get speech recognition, and mm-hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient, and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value. And you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused or really cool. (laughs) 
I'd go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use, and we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we wanted to do this long term, and uh, it's something that uh, it works. You know, and we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this. And this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now. Right now, get now. started. For Larry, limited time, his Air 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50%. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're 50% off. (laughs) Rashate. (laughs) Redeem it. 50% 50% off rosettastone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Was it Aleister Crowley that lived in the hotel that Elisa Lamb eventually died in? Was that him? Uh, no, that was Nikola Tesla. <laughs> I just made that up. And he opened up gateways or something like that. Was she the one where there was like the uh, the security video of her in the elevator? Yeah, and, and she, she was in the tank, tank at the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I just looked up online. It was I, I we had talked about it. He he stayed in the Cecil Hotel, and you know people talked about how he did all these crazy things. So people are like, oh well, he's the one who opened that interdimensional portal that let all the bad things into the Cecil Hotel. Which when we did our episode on the on the Cecil Hotel, Dan, we actually had a buddy in the L.A. area go and try to get into the hotel, and it is now. I remember that. Yeah, I heard that one down. Like you can't <laughs> even get in the front door without a reservation. Wow. Yeah. So and now in times right after it happened, people are like in there like crazy. So I kind of probably understand why they did that. Yeah. So Crowley. <laughs> <laughs> 
Fun time. There's actually, I had a whole chapter in, well, not, but one of the characters' backstories in my book, there was a whole thing about Crowley, and I ended up cutting it like two weeks ago because it didn't, wasn't necessary. Right. But, <laughs> You're like, but, uh, I just want to have it in there, though. <laughs> I really did. I was so. <laughs> so what is, what is Parsons' backstory? John, tell us a little bit about him. Well, as a wee boy, we'll call him Marvel for the, these purposes. <laughs> so Parsons was born in 1914, uh, which was actually 11 years after the Wright brothers had flown for the first time at Kitty Hawk. Uh, the world, you could say, had airplane fever. Right. Uh, but he decided he wanted to build rockets so he could go to the moon. He, <laughs> He's a one-upper. Maybe that's a two-upper. <laughs> I heard, Show heard someone refer, uh, give a quote about Parsons, and they said that he um, wanted to rise above this world metaphorically and literally, what, whatever that means. Like you know, because he that could be spiritually, that could be <laughs> demonically. I mean, yeah. it could, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of ways you can take that with this guy. Um, and he set out to do both pretty early in life. He was influenced by, as so many were at the time, by pulp books and science fiction books um, that talked about space, getting into space. Yeah, and, Dan, you think you're shaping the minds of future, uh, I don't know, rocketeers with your, your book coming out? You ever think about that stuff? Wow. I'm really important. I yeah. didn't think about yeah, that. He, like, somewhere, someone's going to be like, you know, I, I, I had 99 cents burning a hole in my Amazon account. <laughs> And this book shaped my young mind. You're welcome, class of 2032. <laughs> That's good math. <laughs> uh, speaking of math, he was gifted in math. Uh, he was he was a smart feller. Uh, he, and from an early age, he was also obsessed with magic. Now that's magic with a K. With a K. The, the real stuff. <laughs> or a CK if you're nasty. Uh, when he, he, he claimed later in life that when he was uh, 11 or 12, that he summoned the devil. Yeah. Um, and that was that was really what spurred on his interest. He said it was frightening. I'm sorry, if, but let's just say that's 100% factual. If I was 11 years old and I summoned the devil, I don't think that would then spur my interest into diving in deeper. All right, I hate to interrupt, but I am calling horseshit on that. I try to summon the devil all the time, and all I ever get are low-level demons. F that noise. <laughs> he's, he's like i want top brass or nothing <laughs> you, you realize that the the cats that he tries to kill are what he's referring to as lower level demons well i mean have you ever been around a cat that actually kind of checks out yeah it's a good point, <laughs> it's a good point. <laughs> so he actually thought that magic and science were were one and the same he thought that magic was just science that we had not figured out yet right because at the time Scientists and everyone was saying that literally there's no way we could ever get to the moon because the math didn't work out. We could never have enough propulsion to leave our atmosphere, stuff like that. And they actually were quoted as saying, you want to get to the moon? You need magic. Well, guess what? This guy had both. <laughs> and so he's going to combine the two. I uh, I mentioned earlier that he was his parents uh, got divorced at an early age. His father, Marvel, and his mother, uh, Ruth Virginia. The interesting thing is they grew he grew up with these folks with money. Uh the the area mm -hmm. they grew up on was called Millionaire's Mile in Pasadena and and so he grew up with as a man of means. It didn't it didn't hold later in life, but he certainly had it as a as a child. Yeah, his his parents divorced and he lived with his mom and she was actually taken care of by her father who kind of just paid for everything for them. His name? DC. 
Oh, man. Yes. Uh, yes. They, did they get along? Did they get along? Uh, they crossed over here and there. Oh, man. <laughs> How about that? Uh, but, you know, as we mentioned, they, they did divorce uh, in 1915. Um, Parsons was considered an, an effeminate as a child. Now, in in 1915, effeminate meant that you cried if you cut one of your fingers off. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it had a bit of a different definition. So he decides that, that you know he's going to spend his adulthood trying to not be effeminate, and he had this whole um, macho. What's machismo. the best way to not be effeminate? Build big explosive things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that or grow a mustache. His FBI file uh, actually described him as potentially bisexual. He once expressed that he had experienced latent homosexuality. Well, I mean, but uh, all of that, all that's somewhat conjecture. I, I, the a reality is he had the reputation of being a womanizer, and he definitely was notorious for for flirting and having sexual liaisons with with female staff members that he worked with at both JPL and Aerojet later in life. Yeah, I think the big thing that we're gonna find out with this guy, and this is the the kind of through line with this, is. He had some addictions, you know, one of them was drugs, the other was sex, which is a very powerful drug, and he used lots of outside things to blame that on. And demon energy. He was addicted right. to demon energy, mm-hmm. as we, as we learned. <laughs> he was also known for his personal eccentricity, such as greeting house guests with a large pet snake around his neck, you know, who doesn't have that buddy, uh, driving to work in a rundown Pontiac and using a mannequin dressed in a tuxedo with a bucket labeled The Resident as his mailbox. <laughs> like, wow. You know? I thought you were going down a different path. You, you mentioned the car he was driving. I thought you were just saying that he had a mannequin with a tuxedo I was, so, like, so he could use the, uh, the express SOV lane. lane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the carpool lane. Yeah. I don't, what do you say, resident? <laughs> I'd say go faster. We said it as a kid. We mentioned he was inspired by science fiction literature and pulp uh, stories. He developed an interest in rocketry in his childhood, and in 1928, he began amateur rocket experiments with a school friend, Ed Foreman. And Ed Foreman is kind of an important character in his life because Ed was really his only friend for a long time. Now, not to be confused with Abe Froman, who's actually the Sausage King of Chicago. Oh, yes, yes. So I know you were probably you were salivating there a little bit as I was saying Ed <laughs> Foreman, so I, I wanted can to we, explain. Can we get some sausage? We got Uber Eats. You know, they'll deliver it. If Polish, you, Italian, I which one would you, I got them all. Right. You know, that's always the big debate. If you're going to get it get sausage for a recipe, are you buying hot Italian or sweet Italian? Oh, never sweet. I don't like sweet. Same here. Hot yeah. Italian always. Yep. Yeah, and if I'm going to a Italian beef place, I want the combo. I want Italian sausage and Italian beef all Oh, I I am a purist. Beef only. I do yeah, not. Yeah, me love. too. Me too. I got the combo on accident one time. They said they gave it to me uh as mistake by mistake. And uh, now it's my thing. I'm that, a convert. Hey, Dan. Be a better back guest. to Chicago sausage talk. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, could you just go ahead and be a better guest? Uh, and what I mean by that is I described one side of the spectrum. Brent described the other. And you said me too. <laughs> I like no meat. I like gravy bread. I don't like taking sides. <laughs> <laughs> my wife literally orders gravy bread, which is just. What the fuck is gravy bread? If you see it, it's on all the menus. And I didn't know what it was either. It's just bread dipped in au jus and and then they like pour au jus all over it and they so put it's it. bread with gravy on it well, it's not gra- it's their it's their <laughs> au jus sauce it's no no meat 
no meat, just gravy bread. I mean, sometimes she'll get a sandwich, but a lot of times she just wants gravy bread, which is just soggy bread. Soggy bread, please. But your mom, you, uh, of that, but the texture of that is disgust. Like it makes me gag. <laughs> <laughs> now, in producer Lisa's defense, that's actually a wild and crazy version of her diet. Um, another uh, treat that I've seen her enjoy is a bread sandwich. Oh yeah, uh, two pieces of bread. Eat it like a sandwich. Uh, that is her meal. A lot. And it's not like she's like, oh, I'm watching cow. No, she really just likes bread. Yeah. Uh, that is the the through line with her entire life is I like bread in all forms. <laughs> <laughs> I just get it in me. And what's funny is, I and you'll see her do this. She'll walk in the kitchen. She's got to make something. She'll grab a piece of bread and wad it up into a ball and throw it in her mouth and eat it. Just just eat a, a ball, a bread ball. Just a bread ball. Did you put anything on that? No, you don't want to ruin the taste of the bread. <laughs> bread time hour. <laughs> so, uh, growing Welcome up. Welcome back to the yeah. Carbcast. Yeah. Ah, oh, yes. There you go. Now that, I mean, that's such a good name. We should start the Carbcast. Yeah, carbcast.com. Uh, so, Jack was surrounded by domestic servants, but not many friends, as we talked I was, said Ed Foreman was important to him. He lived a solitary childhood and spent most of his time reading, and he took a particular interest in the works of mythology, Arthurian legend, and the Arabian Nights. And through the works of Jules Verne, he became interested in science fiction and a keen reader of pulp magazines like Amazing Stories, which we've talked about on here many times, which led to his early interest in rocketry. He wasn't a good student in school, but he was smart, uh, very, very smart. He did go to college, but he dropped out of Pasadena Junior College. And then Stanford University, he he enrolled in, but then he had to leave be, due to financial difficulties during the Great Depression. What happens was his mom was no longer getting that money from her father, so they couldn't afford his tuition. And in 1934, he united he reunited with Foreman and graduate student Frank Molina to form the Caltech affiliated. Guggenheim Aeronautical Laboratory, or Gausset, a rocket research program supported by Gausset chairman Theodore von Karman. Sometimes names just don't need an acronym, and I think we're there on that one. Gausset? Gausset. The Guggenheim. <laughs> yeah, because everyone wants to say Guggenheim. <laughs> I like Guggenheim. Uh, uh, that's what you know, Guggenheim is uh, when they take bread and they dip it in au jus sauce. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, Brent, you mentioned that he never got a degree. Right. Um, right. And other than the fact that he was into summoning the devil, that's another reason that the scientific community generally didn't take him seriously. Right. The, the thing that did take him seriously was when he went to Stanford and he was in there. Um, that's where they realized that he was a genius. His um, The people in the chemistry and the, the uh, physics programs were like, you have an off-the-charts IQ. And that's the first time that they really realized how smart he really was. But his work in and outside of, of college gave him the credentials without the degree to be able to work in a lot of the places that he did. So we told you about the, the Gausset. Well, guess what they called him around the campus? The Suicide Squad. Because they were always blowing shit up. And they, they literally, the students, thought they were going to kill themselves one of these days. Because they're out trying to fly these model rockets constantly. When model rockets weren't a thing, they were so, making them to So you're test saying out. his story was really shitty and should have ended about an hour before it did? Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Right. yeah. Did you see Suicide Squad, Dan? I actually forgot about it, and that's why I didn't make the connection. Thank <laughs> oh, you. I blocked it. <laughs> right. Thanks for tearing down that wall that it took months to build. <laughs> that mental block. <laughs> 
the uh, the movie's so good that there's already three spinoffs in the works, and that's not a joke. Yeah, I know. That. Yeah, I know, right? Oh man. Anyway, you know, and you know what? Uh, little tangent here. John and I are DC fans. Uh, I'm just so disappointed with what they do. Their 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 TV shows have been good. Their uh, key, and their they just. Their cartoons are fantastic. The cartoons are really good. I just watched um, yeah. some Batman cartoon uh, where Batman was like not in it the whole time, but Batwing and Bat Knight and Bat Night, Nightwing and uh, Little Robin and, and uh, Robin. <laughs> well, no, D- <laughs> Damian Wayne. Yeah, yeah, Damian Wayne and um, and Batgirl. Right. Yeah, there's Batwoman. There's Batgirl. Batman by Gaslight was actually quite entertaining. Oh, uh, really? And then I just watched. Uh, the uh, Death of Superman and the Rise of Superman, and that was really oh, good. Oh man, too. that's coming up. I, I love that storyline. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm excited. Yeah. I saw it. I, uh, the only part about it that I was disappointed about it's like they took what it felt to me like a year's worth of material and condensed it so much they just skipped. I, 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 they couldn't make a five hour cartoon, right? Right, yeah. Uh, but as Doomsday we, was still underutilized completely, I think, yes, but uh, yes, it was still under. You you guys want to see the best one as far as I'm concerned? Young Justice is fantastic. Now the third season just came out finally, but it's on their streaming services. And I haven't watched it yet, but Young Justice is amazing. I've so. seen it. All right. So in 1939, getting back with old Jack Parsons, the Gaussian Group gained funding from the National Academy of Sciences (NAS) uh, to work on Genesis and Takeoff (JATO). Lots of acronyms in this story. <laughs> NAS, if you're nasty. <laughs> That's right. Uh, for the U.S. military. So the uh, the reason that they were able to obtain that funding was that exact idea that I was talking about earlier, the, his ability to kind of stabilize the uh, the, the fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really needed it for JATO and for – there's also another acronym, RADO, uh, which would just be rocket-assisted instead of jet-assisted. Because this is, this is like World War II time period. Rocket-assisted and jet-assisted takeoff – would allow your planes to take off with up to like at least thirty to forty percent less space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, you, your airfields have to be smaller. Uh, it, 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 Carriers, you know, very like very helpful thing uh, in the middle yeah. of the war. Yeah. Following the injury into World War Two in forty two, they founded Aerojet to develop and sell the Jato technology. Uh, then Galsup Group became the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in nineteen forty three, which is something that's a term a lot of people have probably heard. Yeah, JPL of. is yeah. is a well known thing. Pretty legit credentials at such a young age, born in nineteen fourteen. Then he would go on to lay the groundwork for what would become NASA in our rocket program. But his legacy is severely tarnished. Well, yeah, JPL was eventually absorbed by NASA. Right, right. How yep. How is it tarnished? Well, after a brief involvement with Marxism, uh, which it, it turned out so well for Jones, we learned, uh, you know, yeah. the last few episodes. Uh, in 1939, Parsons converted to Thelema. This was the uh, English occultist Aleister Crowley's new religious Movement totally normal. Well, if there's one thing that the U.S. government likes more than you adopting an occultist religion, it's being a Marxist. Right, right. So, I mean, he he was in solid, solid footing to continue doing business with the government. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> in 1941, alongside his first wife, Helen Northrup, uh, Parsons joined the Agape Lodge, the California branch of the Thelemite 
Ordo Templi Orientis. O-T-O, do not correct me on that. That's how it's said. I just made it up in my mind. <laughs> Actually, could, could we go with the acronym? You know, you said it was Thelemite, and then you said the, the Ordo Templi or whatever. Uh, I'd, I'd prefer Toto instead of... Yeah, yeah. God bless the rains down in that Californian branch. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is, uh, Parsons gets into this, and Crowley takes notice and literally really digs Parsons. So he has him replace this guy, Wilfred Talbot Smith. He was leading it up. And Parsons becomes the new leader of this lodge, and he runs it uh, from his mansion on Orange Grove Avenue. Now, he bought a mansion, Parsons, on Orange Grove because he was making serious coin working for the government and doing this this rocketry. And uh, they say that his neighbor was Augustus Bush. Oh. Or Adolphus Bush. One of the Bushes. <laughs> the the beer people. He had a bush next door. Yeah. He, <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and he they, they used to throw sex magic parties. Of course they did. Because why wouldn't you? And, you know, the cops would come and he'd be like, I, I'm a scientist at Caltech. I don't know what these people are talking about. <laughs> and, and meanwhile, there's like some sort of. They made, you know, they made cakes with menstrual blood. Basically, this is Pizzagate without the pedophilia. Uh, well, I mean, he did. uh <laughs> Didn't he have a relationship with uh, an underage girl? Oh, did he? Well, okay, so basically this is pizza cake. <laughs> <laughs> minus the trafficking, uh, you know, well, and, allegations. And, and minus the fi- fi- fictitious nature. Yeah, 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 right, right. <laughs> you, you said the cops are being called and things are happening. Well, guess what? This is a tight-minded time in the world, and because of all this stuff coming into light, Parsons is expelled from JPL and Aerojet in 1944, and it's all because of his involvement in this lodge and their infamous reputation, along with his hazardous workplace conduct. Think the sex magic fun time hour. <laughs> I missed that show as a kid on Saturday mornings, I think. I don't know. I was watching Bozo the Clown, but. Yeah. Time for the grand prize, prize orgy. That's right. That's right. I didn't participate in that. I <laughs> We'll leave you to that one. You were invited. <laughs> so in 1945, Parsons separated from Helen. This is interesting. After having an affair with her sister, Sarah. But then get this. Sarah left him eventually for an, a cat that uh, you might have heard of before. We we hinted at this before. A Mr. Elron Hubbard. Elron. Uh, old Dianetics fame himself. So he does what any normal person would do when they're love struck and scorned. Uh, he conducted the Babylon working, a series of rituals designed to invoke the Thelemic goddess Babylon to Earth, the great mother of the Earth, a sexual icon, so to speak. You know, talk about rebound. <laughs> you know, that's what all boys do when they're like thirteen. That's what you tell your parents. I'm just summoning Babylon. Oh man, come on, mom. Lock the door and knock. <laughs> come on, mom, knock. He still was in contact with Hubbard, though, and he ends up marrying Marjorie Cameron uh, in 1946. Uh, She was eccentric. She said she could see visions of a coming apocalypse, and she made a cult arc that that this occult art became very famous later, you know, especially after she's passed and things like that have come into the uh, being more chic. Well, that's the thing. Even if your art is bad, if you were somehow 
infamous for something. Right. Uh, your art is very. Uh, although, well, I was very happy to hear that Hitler's watercolors didn't sell at auction last month. No shit. I figured yeah. they would have. Really, I didn't even know they were for sale. I now, I, 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 I got really <laughs> excited when I read the article because I'm like, oh my god, humanity just turned a corner. We're we're like ready for inter inter interplanetary travel. We are so good as a, a species that we will not condone buying crap like Hitler's watercolors. <laughs> and then I read, uh, well, the problem was the, the, uh, a question of authenticity. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> like, if there had been a little certificate yeah. of authenticity signed by Adolf Hitler, <laughs> they would have sold for, like, gajillions. Oops, buy this or I kill you all! <laughs> so I told you he kept working with Hubbard and his ex-wife. Well, guess what? They defrauded him. They actually went into business, this boating business. They were going to start a boating business. And Hubbard's like, hey, buddy, I need about $20,000. And he gives him the $20,000, and the business takes off. And he cuts him out. He's like, well, I need my $20,000 back. And Hubbard's like, go fuck yourself. He has to take him to court. He eventually does get his $20,000 back, but it took a court order. Hubbard kept doing this business, and that is one of the reasons he was able to start Scientology, and that started the Sea Org, <laughs> this boating business that Parsons was originally a part of. Did the boats have rockets? Uh, you know what? I, I don't think so. It was too, it was still too sore of a wound. Oh, that's a miss. That's a miss <laughs> on their part. And then you got to understand too, amid the climate of McCarthyism, he was accused of espionage, and he was literally left unable to work in rocketry. Well, he was accused a few times of a few different things. He uh, accused of taking documents to uh, from his employer and giving them to Russia. That was the. Union of Soviet Socialist Republic back then. Yeah. And and his defense that was, an no, acronym. I was going to show these to the uh, newly formed country of Israel. Yeah, that's all. I, I'm, I'm trying to get a job with them. They go, oh, <laughs> you're a spy for Israel. Yeah, like, in what world did that sound better in your mind? Right. <laughs> right. Now, the FBI knew this because they'd literally been following him since 1948 because of his ties to Aleister Crowley. Aleister Crowley was someone they were keeping eyes on. They just knew this dude was going to form a cult that was going to be all sorts of bad. You know the recipe for being a good spy for a foreign country? Being really outspoken, being a part of a, of, of, of a cult group, and having sex magic parties. Yeah. I mean, no Banging one's paying on attention cylinders. to what you're doing. Oh, and, and of course, being in charge of large amounts of explosives. No one's paying attention to what you're doing. It'd be easy to fly under the radar and, and sell whatever secrets you wanted to whomever you wanted. So, Dan, serious question. When you have your sex magic parties, what kind of hors d'oeuvres do you put out? It's a lot of spicy food and pickles, <laughs> which is weird that that's what people want. But <laughs> the, the spicy food... Probably not bad if it's a kind of sex magic party that ends that night. If it turns into a sleepover, that spicy food turns into a oh. really bad decision, I have oh. to imagine. Bad decision. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping you said canapes, uh, but that's just me. I'll make sure to put the canopies next time you come over, but you always put interested on the Facebook invites, but you never actually show up. That's right. Maybe. Maybe. I like how they changed maybe to interested. You know, like, are you coming? I'm interested. <laughs> I, I really wish it was much more like your relationship status where there's one. It's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to sit here and bore you with the 30 things I might have going on before your sex magic party. Right. But let's just say it's complicated. 
So Parsons' life is going downhill. By 51, he separates from Marjorie, his apocalyptic-visioned uh, occult goddess. He has no career. They must not have had a ton of evidence against him, though, because while they took away his his clearance to work with any of this and to be in this industry, they didn't arrest him. Because no. they say that it's said that he literally was going to take these plans to Israel and become their head the head of their their rocket that's program. what he thought that's what they were offering i and believe if there was enough proof for that that's treason i don't care if israel is a is a ally or not that's treason that's treason brother <laughs> <laughs> you, you go to jail for that stuff right and and they're just like no nope, you're out so it makes you wonder and this ties in later how much of that is true and how much right. of that is made up to destroy his character right which, it, it, going back to your other point, in the 1940s, if the FBI wants to dismerge you, they just say you're gay. Like, that was, like, the number one thing that they could make up and say, and then people would just, like, completely ruin your image. Yeah, but he's, he's banging all these broads. Ah, he's bisexual. Oh, <laughs> uh, yep, that doesn't. It was, it, it actually says in the FBI report, banging all these broads. Right. Question mark. It was weird. <laughs> that, was the, that was the technical term back then. <laughs> the other thing that he had done is he had worked in with explosives he'd worked with making um munitions explosives things like that so he did consult for explosives in movies throughout the years but this is becoming fewer and far between yeah so, made, i mean like squid packs things yeah. like that so he starts working overnights at a fucking gas station and renting out rooms at, a, at his house just to make ends meet and by 1952 parsons is dead at age 37 in a home laboratory explosion that attracted national media attention now the big thing about this is the police ruled it an accident people associate or suspect it was suicide or murder yeah it is weird that a drug addict who's known for blowing up pieces of caltech would have died in an accident <laughs> but you mentioned drug addict at the time what was he what was he on heroin heroin was his drug of choice parson suffered from what he described as manic hysteria and depressing melancholy. Melancholy was just the term that they used back then. Uh, what's wrong with your wife? She's melancholy. Well, that meant she was actually having her period, but they, they took her <laughs> on a 72-hour hold. Oh, you know? boy. So suicide, it, like Dan was saying, it's not a far-fetched of an idea. But here's how the other things come in. He was so skilled in mixing chemicals and explosives and creating bombs a lot of people go, well, how could this have happened? And if you're an explosive expert who wants to die, why do you do a shitty job and blow half your face off and die later in a hospital in immense pain? I was just about to mention that he didn't die instantly. Oh, no, no. Oh, blew, my God. Blew part of his body off and was in a lot of pain. And In uh, the hospital, right, right. So the other thing is people say, could he have been assassinated by the FBI? Well, that's one theory. He blew up right at the beginning of the Cold War. He knew secrets about our space program, chemicals, solid and liquid gas, all these things. And he was a suspected spy, also with ties to Aleister Crowley. He is on a hit list somewhere, you have to think. He's also on the list of people that don't necessarily make the best decisions with their life. You're exactly right. <laughs> so if you pick... Could he have been suicide? Could it have been dumb? Or could it have been a a hit from the FBI? You can make a solid claim for every one of those, and I'll go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, do you know, was his career coming back, or was he still, like, working at the gas station? 
No, he time. was. This was he was he was in the shitter, so to speak. Okay, at that moment in time. So if they did assassinate him, that was really kicking a guy when he was down. Like there was no reason he was right. kind of done with it. Yeah, yeah, right. Like uh, we don't want him to get a second wind. Let's go ahead and take care of this. <laughs> So break time, but when we come back, we're going to dive in uh, a little bit further into his love of the cult and how this fed his thirst for scientific knowledge when we return on Hysteria 51. So he said that one of the reasons that he might have been assassinated was Crowley. And we've talked about him um, a little bit. I want to dive down this road of, you know, the, the sex magic and drugs and things a little bit deeper that that led to his the blood sugar sex magic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so you're saying Anthony Kiedis is in <laughs> love with Alistair Crowley. Where did he blow himself up? Under a bridge downtown. <laughs> it's where I went. Boom, boom. <laughs> Technically. He did live where he lived, and he was known for orgies. That is a bit of Californication. That's that's true. That's true. It, it it actually turns out that his last words were, and I don't ever want to feel like I did that day. Take me to the place I love. Take me far away. And I don't know if you know this or not, but Flea is 116 years old, so chances are they were buddies. <laughs> I would so. actually believe that. Right. Uh, so we talked about Crowley. He, he looked at him as a mentor and he was the leader of this movement. Parsons was no stranger to the cult. He tried to, as we talked about, summon the devil in his room when he was young in an attempt to sell his soul. He actually said he was going to sell his soul. Nice. <laughs> yeah, well, it didn't work. See, but you don't have a soul. And even if you did, you, you'd get like three ninety five for it. I have lots of souls. I collect them. Uh, he said that it didn't work and he called it a, a magical fiasco. Oops. It just didn't work out. We've mentioned this religion, if you want to call it here before, in other episodes. But it's an occult philosophy religion that embraces libertinism and teaches that people should have the freedom to do whatever they want. It was taught by Aleister Crowley, an occultist and writer in the early part of the 20th century. One of the main tenets of, of the religion is, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Meaning, do whatever you want. That is that is what they are here for. And followers of Thelema call themselves Thelemites. That just rolls A bunch off. of rich white men just want people to let them do whatever they want. That's yeah. insane. Who'd have thought something so crazy? <laughs> they they thought anarchy in a way was key and our will could affect things through magic. There's a specific way that they did this too. So Thelema seeks to cast off all restraints. The main rule is that there are no rules. So you're free to pursue any type of activity as long as it does not interfere with others' pursuit of their own destiny. And they strongly promote sexual liberation. Uh, here's a quote. Take your fill and will of love as ye will, when, where, and with whom ye will. <laughs> that is it's a hell of a quote. And it also involves magic, yoga, astrology, and mysticism. It teaches reincarnation and astral projection and even mixes in some, uh, a little bit of Gnosticism and Hermetism. So rituals include the use of pentagrams, sacrificial altars, and sun worship. Bring in the virgin type shit. It's, the, it's like drag It's the potpourri of occult religion right it, it's kind of like bringing did, did you see dragnet the remake in the 80s with Ackroyd and hanks oh yeah they're wearing like the goat the goat legs and, and chanting and shit and sacrificing 
here's the big thing. We keep seeing these sex orgies. Why? Well, there's a reason they did them. They thought the feeling you have when you orgasm opens a gate to the universe. Oh, fun. I'll be the mummy. (laughs) And in this small window, a person can conjure magic and uh, perform spells. So almost like uh, uh, your orgasm is like the lament configuration. You're opening a door. Uh, I hope you know what might come in through that door. It might be a Cenobite, but I don't know. I've been watching the Hellraiser movies. I don't even know what you're talking about. Hellraiser. Oh. Hellraiser. Just focus on what you want while you're banging away, and boom, your wish can come true. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. All the women I sleep with don't have orgasms because, baby, I don't want you tearing open a hole in the universe. (laughs) I'm doing us all a favor. This is for for you. It's not for me. It's for you. I'm saving the universe here. Oddly enough, Sex Magic Orgy was the name of my first band. (laughs) Hey, see about what instrument do you play? The singer needs no instrument. I have front man written all over me. (laughs) Remember by rousing rendition of the Philadelphia experiment. That is true. And then, you know, for shits and giggles in this religion, they also throw in certain Egyptian and Greek gods, you know, for, you know, for color, you know, just sprinkle it in, have some fun with it. (laughs) And as I said before, Parsons saw magic and science as two sides of the same coin. He had actually said before, he said, magic is just science that we haven't figured out yet. Like one day we'll just, it'll be hand in hand. And that's kind of what they wanted to do with, I think, Thor in the Marvel universe. Like everything seemed like magic. And then you, as it went on, we realized now it's just technology. Kind of like how he thought that non-consensual sex was just kind of like consensual sex that hadn't figured it out yet. Yeah, right, right, right. (laughs) (laughs) No, baby, you wanted this. You will want it one day. Yeah, I mean, just I can see it in the future. It's cool. Ah, man. And... So I said this before, too, shock to no one. All this research into this religion leads to sexual addiction. And when you have sex alone, I'm sorry, sex alone. <laughs> <laughs> I've had sex alone before. Uh, you're just having sex all the time. So then sex alone doesn't work anymore. So you turn to drugs because you're you're having mass orgies multiple times a day, you know, or orgasming, uh, orgasming at least multiple times a day. It's, you, you speak you speak about this like with, with such fervor like you've got um, experience yes i have mass orgies <laughs> multiple times a day I'm just- um i no, thank you yes women flock to me like the the swallows of capistrano uh, d- d- <laughs> uh dan and i didn't mention this before but this is this is actually an intervention yeah i need to stop having sex with all the broads well you're addicted mm-hmm. and so Stop Skyping it. We're, we're not in. <laughs> so he turns to heroin, and that was a major downfall. It's reasons like this that instead of being remembered for his accomplishments, it seems the nation has tried to push him aside and forget him. And don't you guys think so? It's crazy, though. This guy, he, like, when I was reading about him, it's like he did, like, cocaine, amphetamines, peyote, mescaline, and then not sleep, and then go do rocket science. Like, I'm kind of glad how dumb i am because he's such a genius he can do this and then go build rocket fuel him and hunter s thompson would have been really good friends you know like (laughs) fear and loathing in rocket science is is you know would have been an amazing (laughs) that's when i saw the demons (laughs) (laughs) to answer your question i think the challenge that people have is separating the work from the person right you know it's embarrassing to have someone so important and then they see the footnote and it goes oh magic and sex heroin 
Yeah, right. NASA even named a crater on the moon after him, if this isn't a telling thing. And it's on the dark side of the moon. <laughs> so that kind of seems like a telling thing. Here's another thing. I, I kind of found this interesting online, and I thought I'd pose this question to you. All these people go, oh, obviously his spells worked. And they're like, what? Well, like, will you believe in magic or not? His hopes and dreams and wishes did come true. Not long after we entered the space race, we walked on the moon. Free love became a thing in the 60s. And maybe it was all just a slow burn on the cells. He wasn't thinking and hoping for it soon enough. He was just hoping that it happened. So you're saying like he, he found a, a genie and he got three wishes, but it was like that old story where you're just not specific enough. Yeah. Yeah. No, I meant me. I meant me. No, I don't want to die having blown half my face off. I actually want to go to the moon. I want to experience these things. <laughs> Damn you, genie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Stupid monkey paw. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny, as I'm sitting here around my microphone, I have a monkey's paw. I haven't given any life you wished for. This is it. This is it. Son of a bitch. (laughs) You got to start slow. You know, I got it's got five fingers. (laughs) So is there any truth to magic, John, Dan? What do you guys think? Up next, beat Mega Man 3. Yes. Do you buy into Uh, it? I know we've talked before. Do you buy into it at all? No. I mean, I I do actually like the magic. It's just science. We don't understand. I do. Theory that he had. But, it, I mean, it has its limits, but I think it does get people who are interested in that stuff to to go after it. Like, they, they the people who invented the flip phone were going after the, the comcorder from Star Trek. So, I, I think it does inspire people. Right. Say, the tricorder. Oh, tricorder, thank you. Dude, you stupid fucking geek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that's a tricorder. Thank you very much. <laughs> the guy that has an entire room dedicated to Green Lantern just hey, called me a geek for the record. I only have that because <laughs> the ladies love it. It brings them in for the sex magic orgies. Uh-huh. It's not for me. Say, <laughs> so, hey, that's for you, baby. It's for you. you. Show him your glowing lantern. <laughs> <laughs> you want to want to touch my ring, baby? So I, here's another question. What could he have accomplished if he didn't believe in all this occult crap? Like, do you think he could have gone a lot further? Absolutely. I, he, had I bri- he had a brilliant mind. Sky's the limit on this guy, right? He basically let everything else, everything other than work and science get in the way of that. And and you see that you see that with a lot of brilliant people that burn out instead of fade away. I mean, look at the, the, the whole um, the 27 Club. All of the 27-year-old mm-hmm. uh, artists, uh, m- mostly musicians, that die at 27 – mostly self-inflicted but they're they're making some of the most brilliant music i mean jim morrison jimi hendrix kurt cobain these people the music they made is is transcendent but they but life got in the way of right. of their their calling and i think mm-hmm. kind of life got in the way of this guy's calling i'm glad you didn't name one name there because we get a lot of hate mail Thanks you for not saying genius and then mentioning Elon Musk because people loved it. Let us know that he's a, a hack and, a, and an idiot, isn't that? And a moron. And uh, our, our. Oh, clearly has orgies. We just haven't heard about him. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Oh, man. I, I We don't have enough time in this episode for me to go on that tirade. <laughs> you're, you're just dumb. And he also didn't die at 27. So uh, thank God for all of us that he is out there still providing the future of our existence. So what's you guys over under on if he was a spy or not? 
You think he was a spy? Elon Musk or Parsons for this one? Parsons for this one. Okay, uh, Dan, go ahead. No, I, I mean he was so blatantly open about trying to to become the uh, part of the state of Israel uh, that yes, he was a spy, but he was telling people he was giving the state of Israel his secrets. Yeah, I kind of I kind of agree with that too. I don't think he was anything. He didn't think he was doing anything nefarious. He's like, no, man, I took this stuff for for them. You know, but at that time we weren't allies, and, and well, and I think what he's probably thinking at the time is like, well, I also came up with this stuff. This is my work, right? I'm not working. Right, you know, yeah. I, I'm I'm working for you know myself in and of itself. So why is this wrong? That he signed a non compete, but it was for countries instead of yeah, organizations. Right? So then the big one that that leaves, I guess, the big one is: Do you guys think did he die because he was stupid? Did he commit suicide, or was he assassinated? I you know how they always say where there's smoke, there's fire. Mm-hmm. I don't even think there's smoke here. I, I don't. Well, I, Dan, you made the point earlier that I thought was really, really uh, the most important point. It's like, who in the world would would put the uh, effort forth to uh, knock this guy off when he's already he's already out of the game? I mean, he's he's worked himself out of the game. I'll tell you right. who it's that goddamn Sasquatch. <laughs> no one, no one takes him seriously. He doesn't have access to anything. He's literally sitting and mixing chemicals in his garage and hoping for the best. <laughs> people do that. Safe. People do that all the time in Kentucky. You know, <laughs> and, <clears throat> and and our government does have a history of discrediting people into where no one's paying attention to them. Well, that mission was already accomplished by himself. He did that on his own. The government would look at that and go, okay, well, he's not a threat anymore. Let's move on. I mean, it makes perfect sense that he would have blown himself up. I mean, I don't think it was stupid. I think he probably made an like did an accident and he was very smart, but I think he made a lot of uh, shortcuts. Yeah. Like you said, he's got a head full of peyote and opiates and whatever else. (laughs) And he's trying to, to bust out this explosives if he had to kill himself, I, I I I pray that he would have done it a little bit better than the way he he chose to go out. Yeah, it's just an unfortunate accident for a guy that uh, that was down on his luck. So, nation, have you guys heard of Parsons before? What are your thoughts on him? Is he, is he as important of a character as portrayed, which is just a footnote, or should he be? Should some of you be going to the Jack Parsons High School and, and shit like that? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, should he be? <laughs> Should, should we go to the Jack Parsons nightclub more like, hey? <laughs> oh. I don't know. So how can they tell us, John? If you go to Hedonism 3 in Jamaica, it, <laughs> yeah. the bathhouse. They got the, the Jack Parsons, Parsons room. Yeah. <laughs> Nation, tell us what you think in Hysteria Nation, our Facebook discussion group. Just hop on Facebook and search Hysteria Nation. That's right. And you can also find us at Facebook.com slash Hysteria 51 pod. Patreon, patreon.com slash hysteria51. And when we get to 100 patrons, that's our new goal. I'm going to do once a month, pick a patron at random. We're going to do a Skype session. We can do just audio, audio and video. We'll do it up all night where I talk to you about whatever you want to talk about, be it uh, a past topic, a topic you want to talk about, just me. Talk about how oh, it's going to be an orgy. It's going to be an orgy. You know right. it's going to be an orgy. <laughs> it's how my Green Lantern <laughs> collection brings all the ladies over. What if they want to talk to you about how they don't like you? That's okay. Is it? They're paying money. Most people <laughs> tell me that shit for free. You know? or, or I have to pay my therapist to tell me that. So. <laughs> it's a valid point. I can't argue it. Also, don't forget, you can leave us a voicemail at 773-669-7277. Again, 773-669-7277. And you can find all of that on our website. What's that website, John? 
That's Hysteria51.com. It's a fun one. Let's skip the voicemails this week, John. Let's do it the other way. Do we have any reviews you want to read? Have you, you seen any new ones? Well, I haven't. We, we do have new reviews, and, and we'll do those in an upcoming episode. But I did want to throw a special spotlight on um, on one of our... Uh, a lot of times people, instead of posting in Hysteria Nation, will post a comment or a suggestion, maybe a funny meme, uh, to our actual f- uh, Facebook page. Yeah, Facebook.com. Hysteria51 Hysteria podcast on yeah, there, yeah. Right, right. And, and we just got a post the other day that I enjoyed so much and it does tie into um it does tie into our our reviews so I want to read that for you right now. Okay. This is from Don Lowe uh posting to Hysteria 51 podcast on Facebook. I wrote an unfavorable review on iTunes and it never showed up. Obviously the 564 five-star reviews out of 635 are suspicious. And that is not a conspiracy theory. <laughs> Buck up, little camper. Technology's not for everyone, you know? I mean, I'm sure you you hit enter at the end. No, here's the thing they got to realize, John. And everyone needs to realize this. We have Apple in our pocket. No one fucks with big hysteria. Big hysteria. <laughs> <laughs> and they use their real... That's good for them. They reused a real. Is it a real account or is it a burner account that they? I was impressed initially because most of the time we get one star reviews on iTunes. We have no idea who leaves them. They don't. Ident- they, they're not identified on iTunes. They're not using their real name. It's you know, just a, a screen name. Um, and so, it's not that I'm going to call the people up if they leave us a bad review. It's just mm-hmm. like hey. You know, it, 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 I don't like. We could respond and say I'm sorry or something like that, or how could we get increased or get better? Yeah, we're definitely good. To say I'm sorry. So, so I give her credit for doing this, like raising her hand, saying hi, I'm the person. But then I went to the corresponding Facebook page. It's the ghost of Jack Parsons from Beyond the Grave. Obviously, he's angry you're doing this episode. <laughs> he knew he was gonna. Do- it's that slow burn. I get to the Facebook page and there's no photo, there's no posts, there's no about anything. Now you can set things to. You can set things to private, but there's still some like uh, remnants of information. There. This is just a burner account. So they yeah, made. is this a burner account, I, Don? If it's not a burner account, I apologize, and I'd love to have you on the show to understand. No, no, no. I want to understand why she she accused us of getting rid of the one star review. She didn't tell us why she left us one. Oh well, if we are, we could. We could sell that technology because <laughs> I know some shows would like that. Yeah. Man. All right. So if you want to leave us a review, you can do that at iTunes. Or there's a new app I'm kind of enjoying. I don't know if I told you about this, Podchaser. It's kind of interesting. Uh, I've been using it a little bit. And not only does it have a page for our show, it actually has pages for you and I, the people who create it. And they tag us in every show that we've guested on and stuff like that. And you can review uh, shows and episodes and people and things like that. So yeah. Oh, I'm gonna get on there and review you. <laughs> no. Now uh, that's pod chasing. <laughs> <laughs> that's pod chasing, baby. I hate myself so much, but it was there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Dan, Dan, one more time. Your lingerie fantasy. Where can people find that? <laughs> yes. Uh, you can find it on Amazon, and then we have accounts. Uh, Lingeria book. Uh, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, L-I-N-G-E-R-A 
book. Sweet, sweet. And it's got awesome art, actually. Really awesome. Uh, I saw. Now, who yeah, did you, uh, it? Was, was it a friend of yours that did that? It's not. It was an artist that uh, was recommended to me through another podcast that I won't uh, pitch on here. Oh, that's okay. Uh, no, go ahead. No, say it. Say, uh, say it. It's the. A couple of friends of mine do the Super Mario Brothers Super Show show where they watch all the episodes of Super Mario <laughs> Brothers Super Show. Uh, <laughs> That's and, awesome. Uh, an artist named Rocky Negron did the artwork for my book, and uh, I'm really, really love it. Yeah, I actually really like it too. It's it's awesome. So that's cool. John, any parting gifts or or words of encouragement for the the people out there listening? I think that they should go and check out Dan's book. I do too. And you know what? We all need to really make sure that it's a good book so when you're rubbing one out really really hope and pray what? that it does thanks guys really hope and pray that it does well so when you orgasm it opens that door and and dan gets all the achievements <laughs> all I the guarantee you'll orgasm while you read my book <laughs> we just spent the last hour talking about sex magic and then i make a sex magic joke and john goes what did you even pay attention to the orgy I don't know. I mean, you start so many sentences with, well, when you're masturbating. <laughs> That's because we know you. We're your friends and family. John, when you're masturbating, maybe you okay, can remember okay. to take okay. the garbage I, All right, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> with that said, I've been Brent. Uh, I'm Dan. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite, join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.